1: Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. We are live in all the right places. Welcome to another episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. It's Josh Carey here. I'm not alone. I am so excited for this episode because it's really inherent, uh, and you're going to see how deep it goes, it's really inherent with what we all want, regardless of to what end. We all seem to want more growth right? And we can define that however we want. We want more. We want the next level of achievement, of goal, of success as we define it. And our guest is here to help us, not only help us do and figure out all the nuances that it takes to get there, but this is what she does. It's Jessica Yarbrough. How's it going, Jessica?
2: Um, I'm good.
1: Thanks, Josh. Our guest um, is a business strategist and growth expert. And um, we were talking right before we went on, um, we were talking about our names, right? That um, our names seem to be the most pleasant sound. Why do you think that is? What do we like
2: about that? How do we make, what do we make of all that, right? We like hearing our own name. Yeah, I think it's the the ego. You know, it it feels good when someone calls your name. It's like, it's your identity.
1: With the work you do, does ego play a part, and how does it play a part, and should it play a part? Do you have to rid yourself from it? How does that play into what you do?
2: I think a healthy ego is fine. You need a little bit of ego. You need a little bit of confidence because confidence is what sells. And so, if you are uh, really, really introverted or you don't believe in yourself and all of that, then I think you know it's going to make it a lot harder for you. So, I think a healthy ego is. Good we just don't want to get to the point where your ego is running the show so I'm not one to believe like just get rid of the ego altogether. Mm. Like the ego's there, it serves a purpose um, but you want to still remain humble as you grow and still be have that servant heart, obviously, but little ego, a little confidence, you know, belief in what you do, that conviction, nothing wrong with that.
1: So what I love about what you do is you really help catapult people. I mean, I've uh, I've seen the work you do. I've watched uh, all the videos and uh, heard from the people that you do it for. the The thing that I see that that really keeps coming up is it's all about messaging and positioning, right? Is that sort of the entrance to it all? When you work with somebody, that's, that's sort of what needs to be changed on a, perhaps on a broad uh, spectrum, right? The messaging and positioning. Could you really sort of define what each of those are, how they work together, and how they differ perhaps?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, messaging is how the words you put out to embody who you are and The value you bring to your clients lives right so you need to be able to connect with them in a way that you know strikes a chord in their hearts and gets them to listen and really your messaging should repel anyone who is not your ideal client and so one of the traps people fall into is they're very bland or they're very generic and they're not really speaking to their ideal audience because they're in that fear of leaving money on the table but the reality is you cannot be um, everything to everyone and be the one thing to the one type of client that you can really help. And so messaging is really cutting through the noise, allows you to cut through that noise and reach that person. And you want them to say, like, when they fill out my applications, Jessica, I feel like you've been tapping my phone. You're listening to my thoughts. Everything that you say, is, is ex- that's when you know your messaging is on point, when they're, you're getting that kind of feedback. Most people don't, and they wonder why they put out all this content. And maybe people like it. They, they clap their hands and say, you're doing an awesome job, but they don't book calls and they don't make sales.
1: Mm. So when you work with somebody, um, when we're talking about messaging and then we'll get into positioning, when yes. we're talking about messaging, I'm guessing that this falls into every single place that you speak words and, mm-hmm. and, and, and publish words, right? On, on your website, on social, within the descriptions of your products and services, everything is messaging, right?
2: Yes. And including on your sales conversations as well. Like you are your messaging, every podcast that you do, the way you describe your products and services, the way that you describe the outcomes of working with you, all of those things, sales pages, everything, your messaging is what matters. Uh, And it's what's going to move the needle into people buying.
1: So, where do we begin with that? Is it first um, identifying what the message is? Is it that simple?
2: Well, I think it's getting clear on who you are, which a lot of people lack clarity. Um, And, you know, the reason why. Um, a lot of people never succeed is because their messaging is unclear. They're not clear. Like, who exactly am I? Like, what do I exactly do? I do so many different things. Who do I help? We've got to get clear on what's known as your expert positioning statement so that you can really hone in. And then from there, we grow, we grow the message and we develop it more, but we need to simplify it. The who, the what, the when, the how um, first, and then we grow from there.
1: So many, so many places. I want to take this at once. You said that first we have to identify the expert positioning statement. Yes. What's an example of that? What does that mean? What does that look like?
2: So uh, I am a business strategist and growth expert. That's who I am. I partner. I help uh, six-figure coaches to, you know, uh, grow their expert authority so they can scale to seven figures. Like I'm. It's very clear. I help this kind of person do this kind, achieve this kind of a, do this thing so they can achieve this result. So it's really that simple formula. You know, you could say, uh, I am a a digital marketing ad agency. We partner with, um, you know, uh, dentist offices to help them double their leads in 90 days so they can make six figures in sales, whatever it may be. You need to plug it into a very simple formula so that you're clear. Like this is who I am the coach, the mentor, the strategist, whatever, this is who I help, this kind of person, you know, what's the thing I help them do and what's the result that comes from that?
1: And then once you identify that and get really clear and specific, then at least that then leads all of your yes. social, on the sales pages, on the calls, on the you have this either in the foreground or the side ground of everything yes. you're doing. And then that helps color and identify all of the messaging going forward.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So first you got to get clear on that. And it's really key because so many people, if you land on their LinkedIn profile, they're like, Hey, I'm a fitness instructor and a social media manager and a business coach. And we've got to get you really clear. And the reason why people come to me is they want to build an expert business. And to be seen as an expert, you do need to specialize. Doesn't mean that you can't help across different kinds of companies, but you need to specialize in the kind of person, right? So if it's CEOs, great. If it's executives, whatever it may be, you need to specialize instead of generalize. And that way you can start to build an expert platform as the authority and all your content.
1: Great. Now let's talk about positioning. Um, This past year, I happened to really take a love for the word because I've started to really get it, understand it, and really consciously use it. What exactly is positioning?
2: Well, positioning is understanding where you fit in the marketplace, right? Where are you positioned? So a lot of people have what I call weak positioning, and you know they get kind of trapped into lower being perceived as a lower level person than they want to be perceived as. And so we I'll come right back to the analogy I used earlier where I talked about people posting and you're getting the thumbs up. You're like, I love what you're doing. You started your business, rock on! But that's not um, that's not translating into sales. And so we don't want people to see you as that's cool and peer to peer. We want people to see you as the expert. That's my coach. That's my mentor. That's when they're willing to open their wallet and hand you money. And so if you have weak positioning, you're going to get, like I said, a lot of maybe likes from your friends, but you're not going to get a lot of sales. And so you need to think about who, how do you want to be positioned in the marketplace? Okay. And your messaging is going to, and the messaging and the branding and the images that you share, everything is either going to support that or it's going to hurt that. And so for me, I know very clearly, and I lead with this, that I am like a Mercedes-Benz dealer, not a used car lot. I'm very clear that my programs are expensive. I am not the cheapest coach. Like All of those people know that I'm a high-end coach, that it costs serious dollars to work with me, but that there's also a serious ROI that comes with that. And so you need to think about what is that positioning that you want to have. And if you are positioned as a used car dealer, you kind of work with everybody, you got the sliding scale, whatever it may be, you have to understand the mentality of the people coming in uh, onto those calls. They don't have a lot of money. You're attracting cheaple, free whatever and they they're like they're trying to get the best that their money can buy they're like i've got a couple grand i've been saving up and and and, you know you're going to work with them and and have that exchange well it's a different experience when you're positioned as a higher-end brand as a true expert because experts command a lot of money and there's coaches that literally like brendan Burchard, tony robbins it's seven figures to work with them seven figures right and so who do you want to be right if you're that mercedes-benz dealer the kind of person that you attract they have money. They're not going to sit there and question. They're not going to try to negotiate. They're literally there to discuss option, options. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when you say, yeah, it's oh. 50,000, it's 100,000, it's 30,000, it's 25, it's 10, whatever your price point is, it's how do I pay for that? Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes a very different energetic exchange and also a different caliber of client that you attract because the more they pay, the more they pay attention. And I found that to be true, no matter what. And this is someone I'm. This is me who has sold workshops, courses, memberships, and got rid of all of them to focus on transformational coaching, um, and high ticket.
1: Jessica, slow down! I can't keep up with all these. <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, uh-huh. I want to address that. I want to address this, but don't slow down. <laughs> keep it, keep it flowing. Um, Wow. Uh, so um, I love that you said uh, when you're properly positioned and you're on a call or in conversation with someone, they're only there to discuss options. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. And then you said, uh, which is so true, the more they pay, the more they pay attention. It's yeah. so true. I spent um, 40 years plus of my life in hiding. That's how I became the hidden entrepreneur. Showed up paralyzed by fear. Didn't want to upset. Just wanted the approval at any cost. So hid all of my talent, my power, my ability. Go figure, right? And then behind closed doors, I'm angry. I'm frustrated because I'm like, I can't believe what I'm doing. I know I'm capable of so much more. And look at these people that I'll get angry and jealous and upset because I'm like, oh, they're doing it, but I could be doing it much better. Well, great then do it. So finally I started, my two children are the big reason why. I remember beating myself up because I, I couldn't get people to buy a $20 or a $19 product. And I'm like, how much lower do I have to go? Mm. And it's not about the price, is it? Mm-mm.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, in fact, I talk about this a lot and I resonate with everything you said because I think everyone goes through their breaking through fear and anxiety kind of journey. But you know, you can. We're sold by internet marketers to do a twenty-dollar ebook, to a four ninety-seven course, to a group program, to whatever. Maybe you'll one day get to sell a ten thousand-dollar package. I, I don't believe that. That's the myth of the ascension model. That's one way. But we can eliminate all those other steps if you can solve a problem and you know how to speak, how to articulate, oh. how to solve that problem. Speak right into their pain points then someone will literally never have gone through a webinar, never open an email from you, book a call, and hand you $30,000. You can go straight for the high ticket. That's where your positioning and messaging comes in. Because the reality is, and I hope your listeners will really understand this because it's important, people that don't have a lot of money, right, um, that's what they value. They have more time than money, and they're the ones that are going to buy the courses and finagle and do chargebacks or whatever, The more successful someone is, the more they value time and they don't want to watch your webinar. They don't want to buy a course. They want their problem solved right now. And if you know how to get on the phone with the person, right, get on the phone with this busy CEO of a company that's doing $4 million a year, 5 million or 8 million or whatever it may be, and, and diagnose their problem properly, they're going to hand you that money and it doesn't have to involve all this complexity. That's where your positioning and messaging comes into play.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing how it all ties in. So we get clear with our messaging, which is who I am, who do I help, what do I help them do, in what yep. time, to what end. That's my, that's my uh, expert positioning statement. Then yes. everything that I put out to support that is my messaging in the words right. I use and how, do I, how I stress that. And the way I show up, so let's round out the the positioning again, because I get how the messaging, but now how do I... With all that, now I'm clear on that whole messaging. I know who I am, why I do it, how I do it, who I do it for. But now, so positioning, is that just, is that just identifying, like you said, like, hey, there, I am the one. I am the expert. And, and everything you do has to just be positioned to that end. So when the person who is ready, willing, and able to pay me $20,000, 30000 50000 yep. or $100,000 for my service, yep. um, it, it all makes sense to them.
2: Yeah. And it's everything that you put out. So it's really important that you're congruent. So if you see someone that's like a high ticket coach and the next thing they're doing is selling a $47 offer, it doesn't make sense. And so you've literally, and this is what's really important to be mindful with what you put out is you've got people who have taken you seriously and been following you, but probably haven't booked a call yet. Well, you can lose a lot of credibility with them. So you need to be mindful of who you are and stand in your power and and recognize that you know, with the model that I teach, which is the high ticket, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. It's about finding the right people who you can help and who you wanna uh, serve, who give you energy, who are gonna listen to you and take action and get results and pay you money. Um, You wanna connect with those people. And so everything you need to put out needs to resonate with those people. If you start doing, you know, if you start uh, moving out of alignment with what your core message is, you can really like lose a lot of credibility. And I see, saw it happen a lot during the COVID time where I was like, wait a minute, I don't understand what you guys are doing with these $7 uh, you know, $7 marketing things. It, it, It doesn't make sense when you're positioned up here saying people pay you a quarter million dollars to solve your problem. Those CEOs are not going to buy your $7 offer. It doesn't make sense. And so you need to really make sure that you're staying in alignment with your positioning and you know, Supported around a high ticket offer, if that's the the method and the uh, the vehicle rather that you choose to build your business around, which I personally feel like that's the one that gives me the most freedom.
1: What about the the chicken or the egg? So, mm-hmm. if somebody tuning in is thinking, "Well, sure, I'd love to sell a twenty, thirty, fifty, or one hundred thousand dollar package, a program, a service, an end result," right? That mm-hmm. that first of all shouldn't be lost. They're paying for the course. Result. Yeah. Yes. They're paying for the result that you can provide. So let's say somebody tuning in says, sign me up. I want that. I want to be able to, um, to deliver on that and, and create that and offer that. But my current audience will not pay for that. Is that a first, maybe you call it a limiting belief or something in a mindset you sometimes have to work through the person saying, am I even capable of coming to the table? With
2: oh, that's there's a lot of, to unpack in that statement because we are talking about inner belief systems and then the external vehicle of your audience. So I know that most people, the majority of people, if you've been in business, not if you just left corporate, then you still have some opportunity. But if you have an online presence, if you've been doing the business for a while, you easily have $100,000 to a quarter million dollars in your network. Okay. It, you know, that's sitting out there. There's someone. So It is a limiting belief that there's not someone in your audience. Do we absolutely need to build the right audience as well? And that may not be exactly what you have and we might have to clean that up. Yes. Okay. So that's the audience building part of it. The internal struggle is the number one thing that stops people from ever being successful. Mm. 90% mindset. I cannot tell you how many successful entrepreneurs I've worked with that self sabotage because they are afraid to raise their prices. I don't know enough. I'm not ready. Oh, no one's going to pay me that. What if I fail? What if I say no? All of this stuff. Some of my clients, it's like pulling teeth to get them to raise their prices. And then, you know, I'm, I won't say her name, but one of my clients, we're in our second year working together and she chuckles cause she's like, I just pitched a $65,000 program. No problem. And, and it was like pulling teeth to get her to raise her prices. And now she's so comfortable in her own value that it's, it's like nothing. And so we have to – what people need to understand is – you, out, you are battling your limiting beliefs that were programmed into you as a child, whatever they were. I mean, most of us were raised by parents who were raised by parents who grew up during the Great Depression. So all of our money stories come from that lineage. Money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard. You have to you know, follow this model. So understand that you're working with a lot of those, same, those fears and programming. But the reality is this the best way to prove and to smash those limiting beliefs and prove to your subconscious mind that you can do it is to actually do it, to sell it. And so, what we need to do is create a new reference point in your subconscious mind. If your reference point is people have paid me $150 an hour and that's all I can make, then we need to say, okay, now we're going to switch to a package model. Maybe it's 5,000. If it's 5,000, then great. Let's create a new reference point of 25,000. I'm going to help you package it, which is key. High ticket offer, transformational, message it, position it. You sell it. Guess what your subconscious mind's going to say? I did it. And the first thing you'll say to yourself is this, why didn't I do this sooner? Because you allowed 5, 10, 20 years of your life to be undervaluing your own, your your self-worth and what you bring to the table And you wish you would have done it sooner. And after you create that $25,000 reference point, you can create the next one and the next one. And I promise it actually gets easier. The higher you go, the easier it is. I believe it. And I'm
1: glad you said like 90% of the people um, start with, ooh, like a sense of hesitation, right? So uh, the person listening shouldn't feel that if there is... um, Angst or anxiety or fear or concern or or a negative belief around it, it is absolutely uh, able to be worked through. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your a lot of your work with clients is is first finding or having the client find you who yes will identify with oh, I don't know I've never really done this before but there's one different level to those people versus the people who run and you never hear from, uh, it's, it's some sort of willingness or belief, right? So we're allowed to feel, oh my gosh, 20,000, 50,000, could I do this? I might have imposter syndrome. I might be laughed at. I might, I might fall, I might a whole host of things, but what's that element that still somebody can identify tuning in that they are the right one to, to be able to pull this off?
2: Because you know, deep in your mind that you're, you, you have so much more potential and you know that, that there's greatness inside of you. Like we know that now Mm. some people are scared and they run from it and I can't help them. It's why I don't work with total beginners. So I, I, I have to do too much, um, uh, hand-holding through that process. And, and I, you know, I can help you make the jump, but I'm not gonna help you convince you of your first worth, self-worth. You have to have established and done some work around that. Great. I'm not interested in it. So we have a baseline income before anyone is accepted into our programs. And I really focus on helping them scale up. And it's just because it's so much energy to convince someone of their self-worth. So I don't do that anymore. Um, but what I do do is I help nurture those people and reflect back their greatness that already have had wins in life and in their business. And I show them how to package it into a way that really like we extrapolate their genius and package their potential and position it in the marketplace in the right way.
1: Hmm. Um, during this live broadcast, Gina asks a really great question that is okay. relevant right now. She says, "How do you know if your idea for the twenty fifty or one hundred thousand dollar package uh, would be worth it and in demand?"
2: Well, you need to do a little bit of market research on that. I mean, I've done this enough for, so if you're a coach consultant, uh, like service provider, I can tell you because I've, I've seen enough businesses at this point to tell you if there's a demand for it. But if some, if it's something out of left field, then we need to do more research. Regardless, part of what we do in the initial phase is we do do research. Um, You know, that's part of my, my journey uh, with my clients is let's get some facts. Let's get some data. Let's see what's out there in your network. And part of it, whether it's, so let's
1: apply this to, to you because Uh you're, you're drinking your own, um, drink as they say, because you are selling your service. So what is required, um, for the service provider to show the result, right? You have to have within your messaging and within your social and website and you, you have to. You have to have already gotten the result or, or yes. show along the lines that, yeah, t- t- talk to me about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, you need to have social proof. So I just want to make sure it's clear to everyone. We're not selling a pipe dream or anything. Like if you cannot deliver on what you promise and sell for a you know ton of money, you'll be out of business really quick. So your ability to succeed and to scale a company is um, is definitely dependent on your ability to make good on the promises. So, you know, you can look at past results. Um, what's, you know, what's the the kind of results you've gotten for your clients, or maybe you were translating those skills from a corporate job. What were the biggest wins? Like one of my clients, she found, you know, $3 million. Uh, she was an accountant, you know, in um, mismanagement of funds. And so there's all kinds of things that you can apply from your cor- corporate world into what you do with your your uh, client. She was a financial coach. So you need to look at those things. Um, And in general, you know, the the outcomes have to be significant. Now, let me also say it doesn't always have to be money. Okay. Cause this is one of the biggest limiting beliefs with life coaches, dating, matchmakers, healers, anyone they think, Oh, I'm not in the business uh, or money-making you know, uh, world. So I can't charge 25 or 50,000. That's not true. So you have to go deep into your outcomes. I'll give you an example. Mm, uh, you were reading about my client, Treya. She's a dating coach. She's a matchmaker too. I mean, if you can find someone the love of their life, is that worth $50,000? Yeah, especially if you're a high net worth individual and you don't have to worry about going on the dating apps. You have like a custom you know, uh, plan and people literally delivered to you that are your exact uh, ideal you know, matches. If you are a relationship coach and you can save uh, someone's marriage, is that worth $50,000? i will tell you, it's a lot cheaper than going through divorce. Divorce in this country, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of split assets and attorney fees up to millions, depending on your income level. So think about the outcome and the outcome is not just what they gain, but actually what they save, the pain that you save them from right? Whether that's financial, emotional, mental, you know, you heal someone's relationship with their beloved and, and they don't have to go through splitting up the family and the kids. That's powerful. If you can help someone, you know, be a health coach and, and lose, you know, 50 pounds, hundred pounds, and now they are going to add another 10 years to their life or 20 years. They can throw the ball with their kid again. They can get off diabetes medication You know, everything. I mean, you you look at what the pain that you're saving them and the pleasure that you're moving them towards. It is life changing. If it's transformational, you should put a high price tag with it.
0: Listening
1: to you, it's obviously you are, you're there, right? In order to be serving your clients in this, in this way, you have to have all of the ability, all of the confidence, all of the knowledge, all of the, the self, dot, 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 the self-worth, the self-admiration, uh, um, the self-love. Was that always the case for Jessica? What was life like really growing up for you? I want to see where, where this all came from.
2: What oh, my, was, journey of, my journey of self-love, like that's a long one. I don't know. If we'll have time to get into all of that. Um, You know, I had a great family, great home. You know, I got into trouble in my teens as I was sharing with you um, and went a different route. I dropped out of high school, got my first job managing a company at 16, uh, managed multiple companies, ended up um, going to college, graduating top of my class in international business, um, consulting, building a startup company. Uh, getting burnt out and uh, walking away from it all at, I think, the age of 27 and buying a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia. And that that really was my journey of self-love. I don't think I was making decisions out of a place of love. Um, in, all, in reality, I don't really know many 20-something-year-olds that love themselves. I think it is a lifelong journey. And and that's when I dove into yoga, meditation, healing, really like understanding why I had made all the decisions, both good and bad, in my life. Uh, prior to then and really coming into love love and honor myself and to honor my inner voice that said you don't have to do things the way that everyone says you don't have to please your parents you can make your own way um, and trust in God higher power you know and your inner guidance to know that no matter what you're going to be okay you're going to be taken care of
1: Mm. what was high school like for you
2: High school was, you know, not fun. You know, I mean, high school for me was, it was challenging. Um, I think I was pushed at a really young age because I was smart in classes and really pushed to, um, to not really enjoy my life, but to work. You know, like I spent my summers age 13, 14, and I believe 15 volunteering in hospitals. You know, <laughs> and, and that's what I did. I worked in everything from outpatient surgery to pre-op um, because I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I wasn't enjoying life. And then I got a job, my first job at a young age. I, had, I was troubled. I started running with the round crowd. I started doing drugs. Like it was not a fun time in my life, um, but I don't have any regrets around it because I think I had to go. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to get to the light. And what I consider that time period in my life was actually a fast track to my next level of like enlightenment. Not to say that I'm enlightened human being, but I had to go through that shitstorm. I had to go through it. And some people do it in their 30s. Some people do it in their 50s. Some people are just in it perpetually their whole life through drinking and drugs. I went through it. I came out the other side and I was a better person because of it.
1: Mm, Let's talk about you at at 16, um, mm-hmm. because you said that you've managed multiple companies. What, yes. was, what does this mean? Because when I was 16, I was barely managing myself. I and, know. Uh, I know. So, so <laughs> what happened? How were you positioned that somebody said, yes, you can manage this company?
2: Yeah. You know, her name is Claudia Fultz-Hawkins. She's friends with me still on Facebook. And I saw a job posting and I went in and she said, you know what? You remind me a lot of myself. I dropped out of high school as well because it just didn't fit her mold. Now she's a, she was a Joffrey ballerina, world-renowned seamstress, started Tutu.com. I mean, she's like this amazing, dynamic female entrepreneur you know, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, which is kind of cool. Um, And she said, I'm going to take a chance on you. I think you're really smart. And um, she did. And she was very happy with it. And that company only ended when she ended up selling it. Uh, And that position ended. And then I moved to California.
1: Wow. So, so at 16, you really had the, the chance and the opportunity to learn entrepreneurship in every way, right? And start, start this path. And then you said you dropped out of high school. So in, at 16, you were
2: still in high school. And then how did that drop out path? Yeah, I started interest? working at her uh, company full time. So I actually dropped out and then I got that job. And then I moved to California. I walked into um, a dance company one day. I just moved to California. And uh, I was just telling them a little bit about myself. And they said, oh my gosh, we need a manager. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I just got here. (laughs) And they said, please come back and talk to our, our manager. Uh, or talked to our owner about the management position. So I went back three weeks later, Vivian, I'm also still friends with her on Facebook, hired me and I managed her company. It was just uh, like that. Yeah. So
1: um, at, at this age when you dropped out, was this a, was this an easy and, and, you know, easy decision and supported decision? No. Or-
2: no, yeah. no, 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 Definitely not. My parents were very upset. I mean, they've been very upset with me many times in my life and that's okay. <laughs> They're very proud of me now. They're like, I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm going to do things. I was very headstrong. Unfortunately, my daughter is the same way. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do things my own way. and um, And I don't really care what anyone says. And it was a hard time for my parents because they wanted me to go to an Ivy League university and have this path. And I'll tell you, I, I could have gone down that path. I'm sure I could have gotten scholarships and done the whole route, but it just, it, it wasn't, I needed to do some, some soul searching, even at such a young age. And I wanted to do things my way. And I always knew I would be successful. I had no doubt in my mind. I've been a broke yoga teacher, you know, teaching in the jungles of Costa Rica, all the way to running a very successful international consulting company. I always knew I would circle back to being successful. It just, I had to do it on my terms. And I know no one, no one gets it, but I just, I just had to. It doesn't make sense to any, anyone. But it's, it's the journey I went on.
1: And you found yourself into, into drugs at a young age? Yeah,
2: yeah, I was doing drugs. I think a lot of people go through their, their drug or alcohol phase. Yeah. Wow, and then thankfully you cleaned yeah. up and got yourself out yeah. I mean, you know, I'm very much into yoga meditation and um and uh eating healthy, living a healthy life here in Southern California and nature is very healing and and all of that. So you had um I, I appreciate that you said
1: even at that young age that you felt inside you that you know what? I'm going to be just fine. Let me explore where I'm drawn to explore mm-hmm. and it'll all, it'll all circle back. So you, you've learned and it's important today for you to, to trust intuition or your gut or your inner
2: spirit, whatever you call it. Yes. And, and I think that that is an edge I probably have over most people. And I say that only because I assume that everyone has that. And it wasn't until much later in my life that I realized not everyone trusts themselves. And I've always had this unwavering faith in the divine unfolding of my life. And even if I didn't understand it when I was in the middle of a shitstorm and I didn't understand what was going on and I was in a lot of pain, whatever that was six months, a year down the, lo- down the road, you get perspective and you understand that you had to go through that struggle in order to come out the other side as a stronger, more well-rounded person. So I always had that fate though. And I think if more people could lean into really trusting themselves and understanding that, yes, you have to do the work. You know, you can't just sit back and relax and, and say, everything's going to come to me. You have to do the work, but understand that your struggles are actually what creates your strength. And if you don't go through them, how can you help other people to go through the same thing? And that's really where you come into that servant heart and understanding, just like my self-worth journey. I went through that. I went through undervaluing and undercharging. And, and, and you have to get to that place and you can't do it without some measure of struggle and understanding that there's, it's not something to be ashamed of your struggle. I speak openly of it. There's actually gold right in there. And so it's really about taking that gold and, and, and owning the gold of the struggle and then turning that into something really beautiful that you can share your message with the world. It's interesting you brought up the shame uh, mm-hmm. word
1: uh, because I feel that, um, yes, I've, I, I, I think that that's prevalent in, in so many of us, even during our, our darkest days, but even, even today when I'm significantly lighter and have come out significantly on the other side with still a, a, a long journey ahead of me ever evolving, I always feel like shame is something that, yes, has been left behind, but is something that could just keep
2: people just yes. down.
1: How has yeah. that played a part in your life?
2: <clears throat> I mean, I definitely felt periods of shame in my life. Um, I think it was attached to expectations though, you know, that so there's an expectation that you're supposed to do things this way. There's an expectation that you're supposed to look a certain way or that you're supposed to have a certain number in your bank account or number of degrees behind your belt. There is an expectation from society and from your parents. And so when you don't meet those expectations, oftentimes you might feel shame. So one of my examples is I'm a single mother. I got pregnant with my daughter at the age of 32 um, and uh, I was teaching yoga at the time. I didn't have any money and I felt a lot of shame because I didn't have a husband. Right. And I was always, I was raised to believe, you know, my Southern traditional parents that you get married and you have a child. So even at 32, I had to work through like that shame. And I also felt internal shame because I wanted to have a different lifestyle for her. But I was able to turn that around because like we were talking about your children are your why my daughter, became the catalyst for me building this very successful consulting company. I made my goals and I said, I want, I don't want her to ever struggle. I want her to see what's possible that you can do anything with your life. I want her to have, you know, whatever she wants without being a brat, obviously Mm -hmm. like have, you know, like have the things she needs. I want to provide an incredible life and I want to show her the world because I'm passionate about travel and I've been able to do that. And so, my shame actually transformed into something really beautiful, into a motivating force that I could turn into something that is inspiring to others um, and motivated me to become the person that I am today. That's amazing.
1: So, you, you must have had your own moment that you literally help clients through where we have a $497 course or a $2,000 course. But we know, like we've been talking about in the previous segment on the show, where there must be a $20,000, $50,000 or $100,000 product, service, or mm-hmm. package within you, and there is. And I appreciate that you said, yeah, there'll be some dialogue around breaking down some walls about what's possible and perhaps a limiting belief, but some legwork has to be already in place. You have to have already acknowledged that you're working through this because you're not going to start from the beginning with that. But what was it like for you? Were you also a consultant prior to your own charging multiple five and six figures for your service? Mm -hmm. Were you also charging less? And then one day you said, oh my gosh, I've got to be more to bring more to get more.
2: Oh, yeah. And like I said, it's painful to look back because I'm like, I could have been so much further along if I would have gotten this lesson sooner in life. Um, but you know, I did done for you marketing services. So I was helping people with whether it was their blog or, you know, uh, their funnels or whatever it may be. Um, but I still struggled with my own self-worth and I remember I was making $20 an hour in California. This is nuts. And one of my clients paid a coach to come in, uh, and solve one problem for her. And she paid him $3,000. And, had, and at that time, I was so mad. I was like, what? I'm getting paid this. I'm doing all these different things. And then I had my aha moment. And I realized that if I don't see and own my value, no one else is going to see it for me. And so we teach people our value, right? We show them. We, we have to own it. This is my value. I'm not accepting less in order to claim it. And if you don't believe it in yourself, then how is anyone else going to believe it and hand over that money to you? And that started my journey of, I need to get some help. I need a coach. And I actually hired my first coach to help me put together a high ticket offer at the time, which for me was $5,000. I had never charged $5,000 for a transformation. That was my first high ticket package. And I remember going through the same thing that I have seen my clients go through where I was on the phone with him. I was crying. I was like, no one's going to pay me this because was, it was time for me to pitch it. I was sobbing. And all this programming started coming out. And the reason why I know it's programming is I was saying it, but I didn't even believe it. I was like a broken record or something playing in my head. It's like all the limiting beliefs, everything I couldn't, no one's going to do it. I can't do it. I, you know. And he was like, yes, you can. And then I did it. And I've had that same scenario played out so many times with clients, especially when I was working with beginners, literally the same soundtrack playing and the same breakdown. And so we all have to go through that journey of breaking through the self-love and self-worth and recognizing like we are a person of value. We might be told by society and the media and you scroll through Facebook, whatever, that you're not love and you're not worthy, but we have to go through that just that breakthrough that, and it's, it can be painful. I mean, the, the caterpillar goes through a lot of pain in order to become a butterfly, but on the other side of your fear and on the other side of your pain is the transformation and ultimately the freedom and the success and the money and the lifestyle and the impact, everything that you truly crave. I love the phrase, we teach people our value. What are some of the
1: ways that we do that or don't do that and realize, and don't realize that we're
2: doing it anyway, right? Because we do it whether we realize it or not. It's so many ways. I mean, um, how you carry yourself is a big one. You know, how you present yourself to the world um, and the way that you dress and the way that you speak, the way that you speak about yourself, the way that you speak to others, the kinds of content you put out, I mean you're airing dirty laundry or being negative or trashy or whatever, all of that can teach a perception of someone. I would say not teach. I would say it would alter the perception of of you. So we teach people in how we present ourselves. We teach people with our words. Words are so powerful. Um, We teach people in the words we use in our sales conversation. Um, If you're willing to negotiate, if you are telling the price and then fumbling backwards and starting to you know negotiate, all of those things affect it. You have to first get really firm. And and I did this years ago and I'll share a little story. I had someone who was referred by two different clients. So it was two 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 clients both knew this person, they referred them to me. And, um, we had an, about an hour long call. I remember cause I was in Mexico. I was a post up for a month in Mexico with my daughter working and we had a great call afterwards. She sent me an email. She's like, perfect. I'm so excited. When you get back to San Diego, I'm going to drive down to San Diego. Let's meet for coffee. We're going to talk some more. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, can you give us a discount? Here we go. And, If I would have, if this was pre, this was back when Jessica was charging $20 an hour, that Jessica would have been like, oh, of course I'll meet with you. I mean, there were people in San Diego I'd meet with three or four times and still wouldn't buy. Hmm. And I wouldn't negotiate sure. What's your budget? Whatever. And I was so proud of myself and I knew I had gotten to a different level mentally because I wrote back a very short email. I said, uh, I will, I only meet with clients uh, or only meet with paying clients. Um, I also don't negotiate my rates as I only uh, work people who see my value. Um, I'm clearly not the best coach for you. And that's it. I sent the email. They replied, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, um, yes, we'll hire you. Where do we send the check? We'll pay you your full rate. And it was very validating for me. Um, They didn't end up being the best client, by the way. So if someone tries to negotiate, it's, you know, that's your, one of my red flags, you know, that Uh, red, red flag of my criteria for clients. I don't really come across it too much anymore, but it was very validating. And I realized at that time that I had gone through enough of the journey that I knew I was only going to work with clients who both were able to see my value, immediately see my value. There was no questioning that. And both were willing and able to pay for it. And that became kind of a mantra for me. I only work with, patients, with clients who immediately see my value and are both willing and able to pay for it. And if they don't meet that criteria, they don't belong in my programs. They're not going to be a good client. So to
1: reiterate, mindset yes. is, a, is a significant portion of what we're striving for here.
2: Mindset is huge. I don't lead with a lot of mindset stuff. I talk a lot about strategy and marketing and all of that things, but mindset is the undercurrent there you of go. all of it. And you know, I, it's sad to me that a lot of people aren't living their best life because they haven't conquered their inner demons. You know, and and it's so much as possible if you're willing to do that work and to step up and say, I know I deserve more. I know I am capable of more. This is my vision for my life. I create the highest, grandest vision possible for my life, and I'm going to do what it takes to make that my reality.
1: So uh, it's such a powerful... Conversation because I'm there, right? I've been lucky enough, thankful enough to have done the work prior to a conversation like this. If I didn't, for the record, this conversation wouldn't have even been taken place because there'd be no interest, there'd be no attraction, there'd be no desire. But that's a whole separate conversation. Um, What the my brand, the Hidden Entrepreneur, founded, like I said, on the premise allowed fear to paralyze me in every possible way to not make the moves I was really able and capable of making. Can you share a time with us when, uh, you know, you're, you're, like I said, you're, you're seemingly leading with this confidence and ability, but tell us about a time where fear just overtook and you could have cowered in the corner, but you knew you had to work right through it.
2: Oh, man. I mean, I think I've faced fear so many times in my life. Um, But the way I deal with fear is to face it head on. So um, for example, like me buying that ticket to Southeast Asia, I literally sold everything I had and packed 13 pounds. And I can tell you many times in my travels where I felt deeply afraid, (laughs) you know? I was like in a new city and somewhere in Mexico or in Malaysia and I had to like go out and find my way, find a hotel, find a hostel, find food. So um, for me, I have a different relationship with fear um, because if, if I feel afraid, then I know that that's my medicine, mm. that there is something there that I have to do. If I'm afraid, I'm going to go jump off, do, do the bungee jump. If I'm afraid, I'm going to go on some crazy hiking journey. If I'm afraid, I'm going to do something to conquer that fear because I recognize that there's medicine there for me. So I have a very different relationship with it. Now, I like the choice of
1: the deliberate word. You recognize there's medicine there for you. What does that really mean? That working
2: through the fear,
1: like the yes. obstacle is the way? Is that what we're talking yes. about? Yeah.
2: Yes. Because I know that on the other side of that is freedom. So I used to be deeply afraid of spiders, <laughs> like s- scared of spiders like, and I moved to Thailand, which is very buggy. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bugs and I was on the islands and they have these things that I don't know what they're officially called, but I call them King spiders because they're the size of your hand and they're furry and they're fast. And, you know, <laughs> I was going to the bathroom one night and their little toilets or squat potties that you put your feet on and they, and uh, in Thailand, they don't bother putting drain covers on the drain. They just have a hole. In the bathroom, you're taking a shower, and everything runs down. So I go down to pee, and out of that drain comes King Spider. (laughs) I (laughs) scream and burst out of the bathroom with the pants down. And the spider screams its own internal scream, I'm sure, because I scared it, I'm way bigger, and it runs up the wall. And we were trying to like use a broom to get this spider out. Um, and I remember laughing so hard that day and thinking, that spider was just as terrified of me, if not more. And I dreamt of that spider and I thought about it for three days and I really came to respect the spider. And literally later, a couple years later, I was living in the jungles of Costa Rica where sometimes you would, you would be walking and you would just walk through a spider, you know, and just pull it off your head. But I conquered my fear of spiders by just facing it. I mean, I did scream, not going to lie, but I wasn't afraid because I also conquered the biggest spider I've ever seen. It was king spider. Every other spider is like a joke now, right? Wow. So again, just even if it's not intentionally like facing it, there's medicine uh, right there in facing your fears. That literally brought me back
1: to, of course, you remember Joe Rogan. Before he was Joe Rogan, he was the host of Fear Factor. That's like, right. right. That's the same Joe Rogan for the record. Let's not forget yeah. that. Great show, by the way. Uh, fear factor. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, w- and, and it was all that. Like like, can you lay in this like big bed of uh, five thousand spiders that they're putting yeah. on you, or or just crabs, or or all this like crazy stuff? Can you eat it? And so yeah, there is some there is some medicine in all of that. What is important to Jessica? What do you value? Where's your where do you draw the line in the sand?
2: I mean, my I value family. Um, it's huge to me, integrity, um, authenticity, connection, community. Those are the things I value.
1: Great. And as we wrap up this this dialogue, looking at everything that we've, wow, I, I find so, so incredibly magnificent, all of the value and the insight and the, the journey that we shared here today. What would you leave the listener with? What have we really been saying if we could possibly tie this all up into a nice,
2: neat bow? Hmm, I would say trust yourself. Like that voice that says inside, I am capable of more. Trust that voice. Push through the fear And go to the other side of it so that you can have whatever you want. I do believe that. I believe we live in an abundant world that anything is possible. And if you can conquer the limiting beliefs, if you can conquer the fear, if you can face the fear, um, then it's all waiting for you on the other side. And I think that is the number one thing is you got to trust yourself and go for it. And if you need help, get help. There are amazing therapists, life coaches, hypnotherapists, business coaches, anything that can help you on your journey. Uh, as uh, Daphne
1: says here in the comments, two different comments. Thank you for that, Daphne, by the way. She says, so powerful. And then she says, wow, beautiful. So uh, there's certainly some some things resonating there. And today, meaning these days, I am embracing, I am very aware of my awaiting full potential that, has always been there. It's not even like, oh, finally it's arrived, right? The potential is there. It has always been there and it's there for all of us. And what I'm working through deliberately every day is to not only acknowledge the seemingly limitless uh, um, amount of potential, but to figure out how to bring it forth and use it. Because if it's there, it's meant to be used. And for so long, I ignored it. it again, it's not even that it just arrived. It's, it's, it's right under the surface for all of us. You agree with something like that? Absolutely. It's all there within. Yeah. Amazing. Jessica, I will leave you with this final question that I pose uh, and ask all my guests. Jessica Yarbrough, how would you like to be remembered?
2: Hmm... I want to be remembered as leaving this world better than when I came into it. Magnificent.
1: Well, there it is. Uh, I feel like we can go on and on and on. <laughs> Such a powerful, uh, important on so many levels. If you really listen back into the topics we covered, a lot of power in that. So thank you. Thank you so much. How can the listener follow up with you and keep the conversation going?
2: Follow me at uh, Jessica Yarbrough on LinkedIn and Facebook. Go to jessicayarbrough.com. I've got lots of great freebies there for you, a nice blog. So come check me out. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, just send me a little message and let me know you uh, heard me on Josh's show.
1: Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Jessica. And thank you everybody for tuning in, whether it is right here to the live broadcast or you're catching it in its native podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you are. Consider telling a friend that we are here. I so appreciate continuing to read your reviews and your kind words. Keep them coming in. We're going to do another episode not too far behind. As always, thanks for spending your time and tuning in until we do it again